good morning and thank you for joining us. As I'm sure you know, this is our online version of CSF, Christian Student Fellowship, where we're all about seeking God, serving others, and engaging the campus. So before we get started with today's message, I've just got a few announcements to share with you. As I'm sure you've seen, our girls retreat is coming up March 5th and 6th. We will be live streaming the IF gathering. If you haven't already signed up, I strongly encourage you to, but it will be an awesome experience. It's a conference for Christian women with some amazing speakers. We'll be getting some gift boxes and a lot more information will be coming out on that soon from Hannah, but there is a link all over our social media. I'm sure it will get posted in the comments below. And if you need anything else, just reach out to one of us and we can get you connected on that. For Guys Retreat, that will also be coming up soon. More information will be out about that, but be on the lookout for dates and what exactly you'll be doing. I'm sure it will be a blast for the guys as well. Um, if you've been following along so far, our Wednesday series has been covering prayer, and on Sundays we've been going through the book of Hebrews. Both studies are amazing, and if you've missed out in the past, you can, or if you really loved one and you want to rewatch it, you can find them all the time on our YouTube channel and rewatch them or go back and watch ones that you've missed. You can even go back and find stuff from last year if that interests you. And finally, the best news of all, we are finally going to be allowed to meet in person again. March 8th, we can get together. March 8th is a Monday, so small groups that meet on Mondays will be able to meet in person then. Small groups that meet the Tuesday after, also in person. And finally, on March 10th, that's a Wednesday. So we get to have our Wednesday eve evening gathering together again. I can't wait, wait to see all of your smiling faces in person again. It will be so great. We've missed that community and now we can come back together. So I can't wait to see you all then. This is life, this is life to be 
Hey, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you all. Uh, thanks for joining us again today for CSF Online. Um, I'm Adam, if you don't know me. I'm one of the campus ministers here at CSF, and uh, I'm just so glad that you're, you're with us today. Um, if you'd like some notes for the teaching, um, be sure to check out below in the description. Um, there are notes for today. There are links to get connected um, better here at CSF and to just connect with people here. And great news, um, we will, as ISU has, has announced, we will be able to begin meeting together um, after March 8th. So on Wednesday, March 10th, we'll be our first large group back together um, at the CSF building, and we'll also be at Homestead again like we were last semester. Um, so there's this phrase around our house that, that Aaron has really instilled um, when we're encouraging our kids and challenging our kids, and it, it's, you can do hard things. Um, you can do hard things. And, and this comes up often for us. Uh, sometimes it's, it's in humorous ways you know, with our kids, but, but as they grow older, there's a seriousness to that phrase um, when we see them either maybe neglecting things that they've learned already, um, like something simple like brushing their teeth, or maybe they're refusing to do something that's expected of them, like, like chores around the house that they know are theirs to do. Um, or if they're struggling with confidence when they're maybe learning something new and stretching at school that they're having difficulty with. Um, there's this idea of you can do hard things um, that Aaron particularly brings back around to them um, in, in those situations. And, and the reminder, you can do hard things, um, it's important because it's, it's not simply an exasperated jab from us as parents, though sometimes it is. Um, most of the time it's not. Um, it's not simply that though. It's, it's a good reminder for our kids because they're made aware that, that we believe in them um, and also because they know that, that in our love and support for them that, that even if they fail in doing these hard things that seem hard to them at least, that we're there for them. That that's not gonna go away even if they fail in that. And, and in the situation really with them, refusing to try is the real problem right? Um, I pole vaulted in high school and uh, in college um, all, all through those eight years. And something that I struggled with at different points during um, my career pole vaulting was, was like getting psyched out. Um, and generally that occurred for me when I needed to take steps to vault higher. It was like, okay, we kind of peaked out at this point um, and it's time to, to, to jump higher. It's time to go for some higher heights here. Um, and whether it was literally raising the bar, um, you know, you can't really make higher vaults if you don't ever try um, to, to raise the bar and to try to get over. Um, or many times it was uh, that in order to jump higher, I needed to, um, to start using a longer pole or maybe one that was rated at a higher weight. Um, and all these things kind of fall under the you can do hard things umbrella. Um, but the struggle was real in making those changes. And when I was successful, and these successful moments with that, it was a matter of trusting the equipment, um, trusting what I had learned, my training, and also like my abilities. And it required me to actually do it, to actually put forth the effort to make it happen. Um, up to this point in our study, the writer of Hebrews has been has been reminding us 
constantly of the greatness of Jesus. Um, last week we had a call to maturity in light of the fact that Jesus is our perfect high priest, that you know he's, he's greater than the angels. He, he is a greater Joshua that brings us a greater rest. Like all these things have been pointing to this idea of like Jesus as our great high priest. And we had this call again to maturity um, in, in light of that because he's the one that makes us right with the Father. Uh, this sixth chapter of Hebrews, um, it continues that line of thinking about maturity. Um, it, it assures us that in Jesus, we can do hard things. Um, so I want to take a minute and, and I want you all to check out the scripture from Hebrews 6. All right, awesome. Hey, let's pray together as we, we kind of dig into this. Um, Jesus, thank you once again that you are our great high priest. Thank you once again for the sacrifice that you made on the cross. Thank you for defeating death through your resurrection. Thank you for giving us new life. And and Jesus, I just pray that we would, we would hold fast to you. I also pray that we would press on towards maturity as the writer of Hebrews is calling us to, that that would be something we are like intentionally going after, Lord. So help us in that. Help us to grow with you, to to serve you, to obey you, to to like live life as you have called us to. Um, I, I, we just pray for your your help in that, and um, I pray that you would be you would be like you would be worshipped in the things that we do and say and think. So I would just ask you now to speak to us, and um, we love you, 
And it's in your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to just like make a few observations. Um, this chapter is packed with deep thought. Uh, but if I can distill it down a bit, um, I see two things. I see a challenge and I see a promise that's given to us. And, and the challenge is this. We're, we're called to be diligent in our faith. Um, we're called to be diligent in our faith. Um, in verse 11, the writer says, uh, And we desire that each one of you demonstrate the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you'll not be sluggish, but you'll be imitators of those through faith and endurance inherent the promises. Now, right away in verse 1, the author challenges us to progress on towards maturity, to press on to maturity. Um, in the last chapter, we, we saw the contrast between having like the faith of a, a baby, the faith of an infant, uh, drinking milk, and having this like full and mature faith that, that is eating you know solid food. Um, and, and we also saw how we can grow in that way because of the mercy of Jesus. Um, here, with the, the knowledge that um, Jesus empowers us to grow and mature, we're now called to put in the effort and energy of living with Jesus. Um, we're told that it's time to move beyond the foundational teachings about being disciples of Jesus. And, and we, don't, we don't abandon the basics. Just like last week, you know, I mentioned that, that passage in John where he, he speaks to the children, he speaks to the, the young people, and he speaks to the mature. And, and again, that's not age level, that's like maturity level that he's speaking to. And all of those places are, are like legitimate places to be. But he's calling us, Jesus calls us deeper, you know, in each one of those places. Each one of those places he's calling us to a more mature place in our faith. Uh, just like that, we don't abandon the basics of the faith. We build on them. Um, things like repentance, things like trust, um, things like um, spiritual disciplines like prayer and fasting and uh, getting into the scripture and, and all these things, or, or things like God's judgment and our eternal hope in his mercy will always be foundational. Um, and those are things that are mentioned even here from the writer of Hebrews. But we aren't just to stay there forever, like learning those same things over and over and over again, either head knowledge or heart knowledge or experientially. Um, we're supposed to press on towards maturity. Uh, I'm, I'm remodeling a bathroom in our house right now. And it's going very, very slowly. Um, and I basically, the, you know, the first thing I did was like tear everything out. Um, tear the tub out, tear a closet out, uh, tear some of the walls out, um, tear some pipes out, all, all these things. And as much as I would really, 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 really love to just be done with it and to like close the door and we never go in there again, um, Aaron won't be very happy with me if her new bathroom includes... Uh, plywood floors and exposed pipes. Um, that is just not going to fly. Um, no matter how new they are, even though those things have been replaced, um, I'm going to have to build on the foundation that I have in that room to make it complete. God desires for us to grow and mature also. And, and that, that happens by us living out our lives of trust in him. 
um, working out the muscles of faith and compassion and self-sacrifice and love. Um, by making ourselves a living sacrifice to him, um, you can see Romans 12, 1 and 2 for that. Or taking up our cross daily in self-denial and following him, like Jesus talks about in Luke 9. Or by abiding in him, um, which we're going to see here shortly. Um, I mentioned Eugene Peterson's idea of the, the Christian life being a long obedience in the same direction um, last time that I spoke and in the last chapter. And, and this involves this forward motion in Christ, a long obedience. It's, kinda, it's a marathon. It's a lifetime of faith um, being obedient in the same direction. That direction is like the path that Jesus is walking for us. It involves forward motion towards Christ. And there really isn't a neutral standing still moment in our faith. Um, we're either going forward or we're not. And, and so we see this warning from the writer of Hebrews to spur us on in the faith. Um, it, it's a warning to check ourselves, to make sure that we keep moving in steps, following Jesus and following in his footsteps, doing what he does, saying the things he does, obeying his commands. Um, it's, it's a warning about rejecting Jesus after experiencing this life in him, uh, or as the writer says, again, crucifying the Son of God. Uh, I want to read something here um, from, from one of my commentaries, this Layman's Bible book commentary, um, and uh, just to kind of talk into this better than I feel like I could articulate it. Um, Jesus would be useless and dead to any who would sever all connection with him. To any who would utterly banish him from their lives. The sin against the Holy Spirit of which Jesus spoke in Matthew 12, um, the sin unto death which John spoke in 1 John 5, and the sin of falling away of which the writer of Hebrews here spoke would seem to be the same sin of deliberately, willfully, intentionally rejecting God. If a person should be so committed to their own destruction that they deliberately rejected God's great gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, that they intentionally trampled underfoot the Holy Spirit, with, with, their tender, with his tender wooing and compassionate pleading, um, that they called good evil and evil good, and that they rejected light and chose darkness, then that person would be damned. Um, they would be damned because they would have rejected life and would have chosen death. That, that's this kind of idea that the writer of Hebrews is getting at here as, as they're, they're writing here. But, but my question with this and you can debate that whole thing all day, but my question is here is like, what's the opposite of this extreme case of rejection that the writer of Hebrews is kind of referencing? Because we see a turn in chapter six here, right after that. The opposite of that is, of, of this like extreme case of rejection is being fully attached to Jesus, being attached, being with Jesus. Jesus, um, in, in John 15, writes, I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you remain in me and I in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself but must remain, remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And then verse 6 continues, If anyone does not remain in me, they're thrown away like a branch and dries up. 
and they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. These things I've spoken to you that, so that my joy may be complete in you and your joy may be made full. I said that wrong. I've spoken these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Okay, just wanted to make sure that was right. Um, our diligence in faith is primarily found in remaining in Jesus, dwelling on his words, keeping his commandments, loving like he loves. This, this is where our fruit that he talks about, that Jesus talks about there, and our maturity comes from being with Jesus. Um, later in Hebrews, not to trample on anything in the future, but later in Hebrews, the author challenges us to look at Jesus, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to lock onto Jesus as we follow him, because he has pioneered the way already. We're called to be diligent in our faith as we go after maturity, as we press onto that. But besides this call to diligence and this kind of warning to make sure that we are diligent, we're also assured of our hope in Jesus in the same chapter. After that, that kind of like disconcerting warning section, the author changes the tone to encouragement and comfort. God is not unjust. He sees our desire for Jesus. And even when we're beat up and, and we're like, staggering after Jesus and it feels like we're like getting nowhere rather than running after him God God sees that he sees that he sees our desire outright rejection may may cut us off from God like was talked about earlier but but the Lord blesses even the smallest movement toward him about faith you know Jesus says in Matthew 17 truly I say to you if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will be done. Nothing will be impossible for you. And one of my favorite little snippets, and it's like in the midst of a warning, it's, it's kind of strange, but in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, this is said, the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. We can be assured in our hope, not simply because God is just, though he is, not simply because of God's mercy, though he is, he is merciful, but also because his promises are certain. When God makes a promise, that promise will be kept. The author of Hebrews points at the promise of Abraham, the promises that God made to Abraham, Again, I've referenced this before, but if you're if you're going through God's redemptive story in the small groups, you, you've seen those promises to Abraham. The author of Hebrews points at those promises in the way that God was faithful in keeping that covenant. Um, we get to see that God, who made promises to Abraham, that he kept those promises fully in Jesus. And God, who, who made this covenant with Abraham, has renewed that covenant in Jesus. In the midst of this warning, not to have a hard heart that, that rejects God, 
we're offered the assurance of God's faithfulness. We may be fickle, but God is faithful. And, and that faithfulness is echoed in like Paul's words um, from Romans 8. Uh, and I just want to read this. Romans 8, um, starting in 31. Probably uh, scripture that's like fairly familiar um, is my guess. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one that condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that not even death or life, nor angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or death, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is this beautiful assurance that we have that Paul is, is echoing that. We can press on to maturity with diligence, assured of the hope we have, because Jesus, as the writer of Hebrews says, is our anchor. The writer says, we have, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to hold firmly to the hope set before us. And in verse 19, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and reliable and one which enters within the veil, behind the, behind the veil into the most holy place, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Come back to Melchizedek again. And something that, that's like beautiful there is that Jesus goes behind the veil. There's this veil that would separate the, the holy place from the most holy place, where only that high priest could go, right? Jesus goes there, but the writer of Hebrews is saying he's entered as a forerunner. He has pioneered the way. That means we also can enter in to the most holy place, into God's presence, because of what Jesus did. Jesus has paved the way, and he is sure. He is certain. He's reliable. He's faithful to see us through. Um, Psalm 46 opens you know, with this idea of God is our refuge and strength, a very ready help in trouble. And that is the reality that we hope in, in Jesus. So what does diligence look like? Um, I, I honestly, I find it in the text in verse 12, that answer. We refuse to have a sluggish, lazy faith. We, we don't get distracted. We reject keeping the faith bar low. Um, and, and in this book by Nick Ripkin, um, which is another high recommendation, The Insanity of God, um, he records talking to this uh, uh, an Eastern European Christian named Stoyan who had been imprisoned for his faith in Jesus. And, and there's this quote from him that will stick with me forever. Um, he's talking to Stoyan and 
Stoyan kind of looks at him and he says, don't ever give up in freedom what we would never have given up in persecution. That is our witness to the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Instead of having a sluggish, distracted faith, instead be imitators of those that have gone before us in trust and in endurance. So I'm a, I'm a fan of C.S. Lewis, and in the very last book of the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, it's called The Last Battle, there is this call at the end, um, kind of as all things are being renewed, um, but there's this call of further up and further in to follow the, the Jesus character, Aslan. And, and this really is our call in faith, further up, further in further up, further in, to follow in his steps closer and closer, to, to know him more, um, to do what he does, to chase after him and do the things that he does. Writer of Hebrews says this once again, and now I want each of you to extend that same intensity toward a full-bodied hope and keep at it until the finish. Don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith, and then get everything promised to them. If this is something new for you, I would love to be able to talk to you about Jesus and like what this hope is that we have and like why, why it matters to be growing with him and chasing after him, why he, he is so good, and, and what that means for us. Um, so again, my, my email is adam at isucsf.com. I'd love to talk about that, or you can get a hold of me in any other way talk to our student leaders or any of our other staff. Um, but if, again, if like following Jesus is something new for you, um, there's nothing greater <laughs> that I would, I would want for you um, in that um, than to choose him, than, than to surrender to him and follow after him. Um, maybe it's time to do that. Maybe it's time to be baptized into him. That's something you've never done. Um, we'd love to chat with you about that and like what, what, what that looks like. Um, so, uh, I just want to pray here as we think about that. Um, we love you all, and uh, we'll continue in our worship as we remember uh, Jesus and what he did for us uh, and as, we, as we worship him. God, thank you um, for these students. God, thank you for your word, and thank you for the, uh, the assurance and the promise that we have in you, the hope that we have in you. Jesus, thank you that you... Um, you are steadfast. And I just pray that we would hold on to you, we would chase after you, that we would obey you. Help us to do what you do, to say what you say, to, to like literally be following in your footsteps as we go about our lives. Um, help us to mature. I pray that over all of these students, that you would help us to mature in you. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name. Amen. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Tim and I hope you're all having a good Sunday morning. Um, so for today for communion, uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, who exactly God's forgiveness that uh, we commemorate um, via communion is for. Um, so basically whenever we celebrate communion, uh, it's a commemoration and a celebration of the fact that Jesus sacrificed himself for us and uh, saved us from our sins and, and just gave us this Unfor unforgettable 
awesome forgiveness. And so um, today I want to read a little bit from First John, the book of First John, and uh, just talk a little bit about um, what exactly that forgiveness means and who that's for. This is First John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. So basically, I want you to focus on that last little bit. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. I think, honestly, that's amazing. Like, the fact that Jesus died for me, but, like, also you and the person sitting next to you and the person that's across the room from you, the person that's across the world from you, you know, that's just amazing that Jesus died for everyone on the earth. And I just want you to think a little bit about that today and then into the future as uh, you take communion and remember Jesus' sacrifice for us uh, going into the future that, you know, that person that you didn't like uh, from one of your classes or uh, that person that you barely know, right? Jesus died for them too, not only you. And I just think that's so, so amazing that we continuously get that amazing mercy and that amazing forgiveness all because of Jesus' sacrifice and his love for us and for everyone else in the world. So just think on that today as uh, you take communion and into the future. Thank you.
Thanks for joining us at CSF this Sunday, and I uh, hope you all have a great week. Thanks for coming.